Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is three o'clock on a Monday afternoon, so it is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Not much. Start of a new week. Hopping right to it. I was just about to say that. It's, it's been such a, a wild weekend. And um, are you tired? Yeah. Not going to lie, yeah. A little bit. I know people like to joke. Yeah, well, I think they're jokes. I, I take them as jokes. When people always say, like, oh, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. I know you're tired. Because people may think I'm lying when I tell them, nah, I'm not. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Um, I'm extremely tired right now. <laughs> I'm extremely tired. But that's I say it all the time. When I say I'm tired, I say I think that means I'm doing it right. So hopefully none of you out there are tired, but hopefully you are still doing it right. But, again, welcome to our Monday episode of the Talk That Talk radio show. Matt, let's get to some of these shows, some of these socials really quick. I know I, I see some comments kind of scrolling on uh, Facebook Live. I'm actually going to try to get to some of those in a second. But if you guys want to join our Facebook Live, you guys can join our Facebook Live by just simply searching Talk That Talk Radio Show on on Facebook. As a matter of fact, you can search Talk That Talk Radio Show on any platform. You can do it on SoundCloud. You can do it on Apple now. You can do it on Spotify now. You can do it on Google Podcasts now. And as of September, that will be the official place to catch the show. It will be on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, things of that nature. Um, but Facebook included, you guys can all search Talk That Talk Radio Show. The only thing that's different is our Twitter. It is at Talk That Talk LV. And, of course, the Talk That Talk Radio Show is a product of the Talk That Talk Media Company. If you guys want to follow that on Twitter as well, you guys can find that at TTT Media Company. Every other platform. The phone call that I said I had before the show, they reiterated that we're going to have to use TikTok very, very soon. So, yeah, <laughs> be ready for that. But again, TikTok is another place that you guys can find the Talk That Talk Media Company fully spelled out in addition to Facebook, in addition to Instagram. Twitter's the only thing that's different, TTT Media Company. But let's hop right to the show the best way we know how. My mom's tip-in sent something, and we can get right into the weekend with this news, but or with this tip-in, but a person who dares to waste an hour of time has not discovered the value of time. Once again, that tip-in is a person who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of time. I was I was leaving the Aces game yesterday and I was headed to the Aviators. And shout out to Brian Salmon. Brian Salmon actually uh said working all day or something like that. And I said I'm trying to. I said I wasn't gonna do it the entire weekend. So I had to kind of pick and choose my spots. And I get <laughs> and you know the route that I take. I got all the way to the car. 
and realized who said that to me. I said, Brian, if you don't get on. It was the same thing that you said at the IFL championship game. We saw Brian not working and was like, is this his only off day too? This has to be his only off day too. Because we see him everywhere else while we're working. So shout out to my guy, Brian, talking about working all day. Yesterday is one of those rare occurrences for me during the summer in terms of going to doubleheader sports. Sometimes it happens in the fall, but shouldn't shouldn't happen during summer. <laughs> but anyway, the first game we're actually going to start with, the first game on that Sunday, we're going to start with the Aces. Uh, new seating arrangement at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And shout out to, to having somebody who works inside of – uh, or works inside of the Michelob and works with the team because Matt kind of gave me a heads up of that beforehand, so I wasn't too surprised when I walked in. But the first thing that you and I talked about was, oh, they're trying to pack the house more. And boy, was it packed. It was a, a franchise playoff record, I believe, um, is what was announced. I think people had... I think maybe misheard it thinking it was a franchise record in attendance, which um, I think we were 70 or 80 something short of that. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, we almost got to the franchise record as a whole, uh, but it's still being a, uh, I believe announced a playoff record, like uh, fifty or something like that is I think what was there yesterday. So say that, say that one more time. I think it was like 9,950, somewhere okay, in that area. Okay, that's what I, okay, all right, all right, let's talk, let's talk now. So that's what the <laughs> I have the box score right here. This is so, I love my job. I would say the box score will tell you. I love my job. I love my job so much. What what that what, what does that number say at the top right hand corner? What that say? I was only six off, folks. That was nine. It's nine thousand nine hundred forty-four. So that's what the box score says. I but even during that, by the way, you didn't. I didn't see it. I mean, I saw. Like when I was putting the thing together, like nine thousand nine. That's about the only thing I. So I was like, yeah. so you kind of knew about the the roundabout. Yeah. So honestly, they announced it during the fourth quarter and they said record sellout. That's what I put in the story. I try to be really, really specific when certain things like that occur, and I said record sellout. That's what they said. So I, they didn't. They were very, very specific by saying that. I guess vague they were specifically vague in that reason they wanted to be vague for a reason so the number that i did here during the press conference and obviously we we do get corrected sometimes during the press conference and no correction happened it was 10,344 that was the number that i was told well everybody was kind of told in the question and gotta say it felt like it it felt like it there as with all due respect, even with the the team having the attendance the way that it's turned out since the last regular season home game, um, respectfully, there have been some of these playoff tiles kind of left over. Yeah. There wasn't one left in the building yesterday. That's incredible. Not a one. I'm not sure I saw one. So... I don't know if it, if it could happen this late, but if it needed to happen, the word is out. But the Aces didn't play their best basketball, and ironically enough, they still had a shot to tie it at the end. That was kind of my takeaway from it. We'll get to some specifics, but what did you see? 
Um, an unusually struggling offense from Vegas yesterday. Um, it wasn't for lack of looks that they were getting or quality of looks. I mean, it, it, everything was there. The quality of looks was was good, and um, you know they were getting the touches they needed in the right spots. It's just it felt like one of those days where, um, you know, at at certain points in the game, Vegas was playing with a little bit of a lid on the basket. Um, some shots from routine players that you would expect to, you know, knock down and just couldn't quite get it to go. Um, it was just kind of felt like one of those days on offense that it was going to be definitely more of a grind to put up points on the board. But, you know, I credit the defense. I think the defense outside of, I'll say this, and it probably is the reason Seattle actually won the game is um, I think the defense probably could have done a little bit better job in the fourth quarter of defending Jewel Lloyd. I thought Jewel kind of got away from the defense a bit, especially in that fourth. And um, I mean, Vegas had g- grabbed momentum and taken the lead a couple times in the fourth. And I thought, okay, here we go. Uh, this is kind of the spot that they need to be in. Um, they play pretty well in these spots, but I mean, every time Vegas had tried to, you know, put a little bit of distance between them and Seattle, Jewel had a response. So I think, Going into game two, I think that has to be a focal point is containing Jewel Lloyd because this is now the second straight game that Seattle's played Vegas where she's kind of gotten away from the team, from Vegas as far as as, uh, defending Jewel. And, I mean, I I think a little bit of more, I mean, Becky will never say it, but probably more offensive productivity, I think. Um, Yes, the defense held their own and didn't allow – um, you know, 80 or more points in the game, which is a good milestone. But with defense, you do need a, a sprinkle bit of, of at least a little bit more of offense. If well, you I mean, can, you have to score yeah. more points than other teams. Yeah, so I mean, you need a little bit of offense in there. Yeah, and I, I think if they get the same effort they did on defense in game one, going to game two, I think maybe some of that will translate to more offense. You know, where you can get more good transition looks and. Um, I think we know one thing that this team typically when they have a bad game shooting, um, they typically come out the next game pretty well locked in and pretty ready to go, especially on the offensive end. Um, it's a big reason I think um, Vegas probably gets game two is because, you know, they, they know it's a must win. Um, they know that they have the right looks defensively. Like they're doing a lot of good things defensively, which if like say yesterday Vegas had given up, hundred and some points. Oh my! God. I'd be I'd be a lot more concerned going to game two. But I look at game one, going. They gave up seventy six points. They had a chance to go to overtime with a shot from a player that that is a very routine shot for Kelsey Plum. Like I think the consensus is like if you had just watched that final possession, that I don't know if anybody in the building would have questioned the player that got the ball and the player that shot the ball. I think though, I mean, I, I think it was the right I mean if I'm Becky Hammond I'm probably looking for somebody like Kelsey Plum or a Chelsea Gray to take that final three to possibly go to overtime I mean they're one of the better shooting three uh, three point guards in the league I mean maybe you make a case for Jackie Young too I would have thrown in Raquana uh, maybe and, and Raquana may have I would say you could have gone I, you could have gone I remember that's a good point I mean you could have gone those four and then throw a big in there for a rebound or even if you want to go five you can throw Illy in 
That's very And good then you point, have a stretch actually. big that if if need be can shoot it. But see, I, I'm trying to remember who was on the floor. That may have been who was on the floor. Because it was a back it was a it was a flare screen and a back pick. And I know Chelsea actually uh literally detailed what the play was after the game. Uh but that pass to Asia on the back pick was off target. Mm-hmm. And Asia caught it off target and in on those plays things need to go right in to my, in my mind that was the first thing that went wrong on that play but Kelsey did end up missing that three point uh point attempt and to show you I, I told you guys last week kind of how I do my questions and I'm gonna be honest I, I wrote these questions out and I wrote it two or three different ways because my first start of it was shooting yourself out of a game And then it altered. It was altered to shooting yourself back into a game. And then it was shooting yourself back out of it again. And it was one of those ebbs and flows game. And it was one of those questions that I didn't have to ask because Becky brought up pretty quickly, we didn't shoot the ball well. But it's that first quarter. Like that first quarter, she was just like, even though we didn't shoot the ball well, that first quarter we held them to less than 26. We beat them by 10 the rest of the way so i i'm not really too i'm not really gonna harp on too much of the offensive woes i I do know that uh this can't continue to happen at least and what i mean by this i mean just the slow starts in general uh only because the slow starts have come from the go-to players for Vegas as of late, even in games that they've been able to pull off recently, right? And I think what's so interesting is Asia and Kelsey combined to go 0 for 8 in that first quarter, 0 of 4 from 3. And Andy Yamashita from the Review Journal, shout out to Andy, he um, asked Kelsey a question about – it was the very, very first – first of all, I don't remember a time that Becky Hammond has ever come out so quick, so quickly, I should say. Uh, but he asked her a question about the final look. What was the what was the play design? Um, did you get the look that you wanted? Whatever the case may be. And Kelsey just stonewalled the television cameras in front of her. And I saw that and said, okay, she's not going to talk. She's just not going to talk. So Chelsea, shout out to Chelsea being a vet. She hopped in relatively quickly to the point to where I think she hopped in so quickly to the point to where a lot of people may not even realize that the question was asked to Kelsey but Kelsey wasn't going to answer that so Chelsea responds second question goes to Chelsea third question goes to Kelsey and while that question is being asked I, I'm actually sitting next to Matthew Walter shot to Matt as well and, and I'm sitting next to him and I leaned in and I said she's not going to answer and as soon as the question got asked, I saw Chelsea kind of look over at her. And then Kelsey began to talk. Um, and the funny thing is, I'm not saying that Chelsea gave her the eye, but she did look, at the very least, simultaneously as Kelsey was grabbing the mic to speak. So clearly she didn't want to speak. And we've known about situations. Let's just call it Let's just call it what it is. It, it, at least in my opinion, I don't make it a story, and I think the people here at this media company don't make it a story because it doesn't happen often, and we understand sports and the nature of the game. So I understand why Kelsey Plum was out there, but uh, 
we've seen Asia not come out after certain tough games. And granted, Asia is a person that we speak to 85% of the time. So uh, that could be another reason why you don't you guys don't hear too much about it, but with this Kelsey Plum situation, I just think to a certain degree you have to protect your players. And I'm sure the media wanted her, but I'm pretty sure the media could have thought of some questions to ask Asia as well. What were what were Asia's final numbers? I need to know. We rebounded the hell out of the ball. She was she was uh she scored eight points. She pulled in twelve rebounds, but she was three of ten from the field. She didn't make her first bucket until the start of that second quarter. So uh, I think you also could have put Asia out there and and she would have had to answer some uncomfortable questions, but it just did not appear like Kelsey was ready to do that. What was Andy's question again to Kelsey? Uh, trying to remember what it was. The play design. What was like to describe? Like, kind of walk us through the play design, and did she get the shot that she that she wanted? Um, I don't know what you want me to say. I, I, I <laughs> what do you want me to say? Believe it or not, I think Andy actually probably got two answers out of that question. Kelsey answered it, but she didn't have to say anything. Like looking at Kelsey, the look said, "What do you think?" Like, I got a clean look off, just was a little bit off. And then, of course, Chelsea chimed in and answered. Matt, you know what's interesting? Thanks for saying that, first of all. Second of all, something's wrong, Matt, because... And when I say something's wrong, when Becky said the team played with a weight on their shoulders, when Chelsea said she didn't feel a weight... I don't know that Kelsey feels away. I'm not going to say that Kelsey feels away. But when I said something's wrong, I didn't just say that right now. I said that yesterday. Because at one point, I'm going to be honest, at one point I watched Kelsey take a three with Stephanie Talbot kind of in front of her, and it was a deep three. Like it's, it's Steph range three. And she was already off. And I watched Becky put her hands on her hips and kind of just turn her head to the side and look at her. She didn't pull her. She didn't say anything to her. She just looked at her. And I don't know how many times Becky has done it throughout the year, but I, I, she looked at her almost as to say, who is that? I haven't seen this person all year, or at the very least since the first month of the season. Who the hell is that in a number 10 jersey? So I, I think what happened, Kelsey being the, the the dog that she is, she's not going to stop shooting, right? She's a volume scorer at the very least. If you want to go ahead and, and kind of throw some disrespect out of you can say she's a volume scorer. She's obviously superstar level talent in this league. But at the very least, when she doesn't have it going, you know she's going to get the shots up. So they're eventually going to fall for her. That's exactly what happened in this one. But I do think that those earlier and this is what was so interesting uh because kelsey wasn't talking and i knew we weren't going to get an answer out of this one it's no point to really ask the question but shout to andy for taking that first lump because you got to take it sometimes people just got to take it i've gotten some of those as well so uh one of the things that i want to ask her she said that we are past the point a couple of months maybe a month ago we're past the point of evaluating games by made and missed shots Kelsey led the team in scoring yesterday. That shooting the team out of the game 
question could have very well been related to Kelsey Plum. When Becky was asked, and, and this is again me throwing something at a wall, and I know for this is one of them situations to where, and I'm cool with this. If Becky were to ever come out and say that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie, I would never be able to combat her. I would just be like, Becky, we have to respectfully disagree. Becky was asked a question about Chelsea. She said she's the calm in the storm. She's uh, or, or she's the steady in the storm, which I thought was an amazing quote. She says she's calm, cool, and collected at all times. You know that she's going to get a good look off. She looked down at the box score and said, people are just going to have to play better. Kelsey's 8 for 23 stat line is right above Chelsea's. I think Becky will go to her grave years, decades from now, arguing with me that, oh, it wasn't one person specific. I don't believe you. I do not believe you. I just don't. And again, like I said before, I'm not even mad at the 23 shots. We've seen Kelsey take the bulk of the shots at times. We've seen this t- four players on this team at times take the bulk of the shots. This is one of them situations you had to watch the game. I don't know if necessarily Kelsey, for say, lost the game. Um, Wouldn't say that for sure. I mean, the team was leading by, I think, three, approaching the two-minute-to-go mark. Um, we... I forget who the rebounder was. It was either Asia, it was either Kia, Asia, or Illy, one of the three. Um, grabbed the rebound, threw the ball away. They couldn't even get it to Chelsea because Jackie was, the way it happened was Jackie was kind of running and instead of taking that extra second to look, because there wasn't any defensive pressure, so it's not like Seattle was you know right on top of it. Instead of taking the extra second, whoever rebounded that basketball, I think it was, it was one of the, our bigs for sure got it, turned around, saw Chelsea but didn't really see Jackie going in that same direction, tried to get the ball out to Chelsea, and it bounced off of Jackie's back. I'm happy that you said that. Because <laughs> I remember – you know what's funny? Sports are sports is, is just an amazing thing as a whole. I was going to speak about that play, but the result of that play. And this is going to take us to the next portion of this of this conversation, Ace's conversation before we move on. That exact play that you just described, you're absolutely right. It was Asia, by the way. Uh Asia threw the ball out of uh, out of bounds. Um or maybe this isn't the play that you was talking about, but this is another turnover. But Asia did uh turn the ball over out of bounds and I remember pardon, I remember it was this moment where and I'm trying to make sure I'm looking at the uh the play by play as well right here. And this may have happened in the Nope, it happened in the fourth. So in the fourth quarter, I think this was the to take the 73 to 71 lead. Uh it was kind of a I want to say it was a turnover, but it was kind of a loose ball. It was hustle play, right? And Jewel kind of we know we we know how those dribble push outs happen. She 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 did a dribble push out and um Ball got away from her. Ball got away from her. And it, I think Kia was the one that, that got back down. But it was a big. And Jewel appeared to give up on it. It looked like Jewel was like, I, I kind of pushed it a little too far. Kia couldn't get to the ball, and Stephanie Talbot did. I watched Jewel Lloyd float to the, to the wing in front of the Aces bench. And when I watched that, I said, that's going in. 
And I watched Jewel, and as I was walking out, actually, Jewel was right in front of me, and I was laughing because in my in the back of my mind, I wanted to to kind of tell her like that was the one. Like I understand everything that we're saying, even with the aces, with the lead, and everything else uh, late in the game. That was the moment for me that I was like, yeah, no, nah, it's not gonna happen tonight. <laughs> Las Vegas isn't pulling this one out, but I do think this makes things interesting because while we do agree. That the Aces will probably win on Wednesday. Both of us had them losing game three. So this becomes interesting now. This might, well, I'll say this much. I think losing game one may have actually opened the door for this team to get game three. Because with, you play it out, they probably do get game two. It's a bounce back spot at home. Know they need to get at least one going to the road. This team has played really well on the road especially the last time they were in Seattle. Right, they which is could, why I think they'll get game four. They could, Well, but they could take the adrenaline and the momentum from game two. It may be enough to carry them through game three because the team knows we just got to steal at least one in Seattle. Right. If we can steal both, that's great. If we can get at least one, though, and get game five back at our place, consider it a decent trip. So here's where we slightly disagree. Slice it any way you want. I think Sue Bird is getting one in Seattle. She's getting one of them. Yeah, and I give it to Game Four because I think if they if it gets to I Game, think f- I think it's Game Three. I, I don't because know that it, I'm because moving away it, from that. Because if it's Game Four, the Aces are going to be looking at a two-one deficit in a closeout situation on the road. Yep. Back to back closeout situations. This it team would be. This team has not seen that yet this year. I don't know if you want it to be the first time to be a, a chance that could end your season and it not be on your home court. I'm not sure that they have a choice anymore after what we saw yesterday. But I think the good takeaway from this, I do think they'll get one in Seattle because as as much as, as um, we kind of have talked about it already, this team did not play their best basketball by any stretch of the imagination, like it wasn't even close. And I think Seattle would say the very well, I mean, the very same thing about them. But their usuals still went off. Like I, I, I do think Brianna Stewart, she had an efficient game. She was nine of seventeen from the field. She did pull in six rebounds. She scored twenty four points. Uh, I thought, well, you know what I truthfully thought was interesting when I was getting ready to prepare the story for a Aces win in the fourth quarter. I made point to keep to keep uh, track of this. It started at six minutes and thirty-two seconds, I believe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but and then I think it was between six thirty-two and four nineteen. Those were the two marks in the fourth quarter. Brianna Stewart had no turnovers up until that point. Vegas forced her in the back-to-back turn, or not back-to-back turnovers, into two turnovers on inside of four plays. It was two turnovers by uh, Stewie inside of four plays. That shifted the game. At that point, Raquana had just gave the team their first lead off of th- uh, on a three. I do think it is important to also highlight the bench shot three of six from three in this ball game. Everybody else shot three of 17. Well, I think if you're an Aces fan, you look at this game and you go, yeah, that was one of our worst games this year. Probably easily top five worst game we've had this year. Maybe even make the case for top three. 
and they look up the scoreboard and go, huh, we only lost by three. So if that anything, New York game is in there, Sabrina Ionescu. That's why I said it's not necessarily the worst because I, there's probably at least one or two that are right up there with them. But you could put this game easily within the top five for worst games this team's had this season. And you have to be somewhat encouraged looking up and going, well, we only lost by three. Even if we are 50% better than what we were today, that 50% is probably going to beat Seattle because we've seen how Vegas plays Seattle when they are playing at their best. They are usually the better team. They were the better team in the um, final home regular season game for Super. They were the better team in the final regular season game um, back in Vegas. And they were the better team, I think, in the home opener to start the year. And when they're clicking on all cylinders, when their offense is producing, unlike it was on Sunday, I I think Seattle looks up and kind of what you mentioned, like Seattle still had their usuals go off. Vegas looks at that same stat sheet going, okay, Asia was off. Kelsey wasn't shooting all that well. Asia makes two more buckets. This game goes the other way. I mean, if Asia gets to 20, which is not out of the question for Asia Wilson, especially when she's going up against Stewie, Asia cracks 20. I don't know if Seattle's winning game one. I do want to highlight two things really quick before we move on the first one is just a quick note uh just from my eye jackie young is going to be relied on heavily on the defensive end on this um in in this series rather she's one of those players if you watch them get switched over on players like brianna stewart on on even tina charles right and and she gets switched over on these bigger players uh Jackie's I feel like we keep using the same term because I just used it for Nate Mondu the other day but Jackie's a a spark plug like Jackie kind of holds her weight down there regardless of position right we we, we live in an age of positionless basketball and shout out to uh, Donetta as well Donetta Coleman is speaking on our uh, chat and she said those early fouls bothered Asia as well I definitely think that definitely could have could have attributed to it you already don't have a rhythm you get those early fouls it's impossible to pick up a rhythm I just talked about when her first bucket came came at the what the 932 mark of the first or the second quarter so the other point that I did want to highlight with this one So only the second time in six meetings. You mentioned it, kind of alluded to it, I should say. Only the six, only the second time, rather, in six meetings that Seattle has gotten the better of Las Vegas this year. It's actually the first time since June 29th. So if you needed a point of reference. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm going into game two. I'm not as concerned because I think Vegas knows they have to play better. And they know that um, if you take – the season as a whole and as a you know large sample size we've seen typically when Vegas has bad games or they lose that next game they usually come out pretty I won't say on fire but they come out pretty focused and locked in and um, much cleaner and crisper than they did the previous game we'll see what happens on Wednesday August 31st we'll see what happens we'll hop to it um First of all, I want to highlight the fact that I told you guys that this was coming in terms of the Aces series. It still was more defensive than I expected, but the Aces series and Seattle being 
a more offensive series. And I said, you look at Chicago and Connecticut, and I picked Connecticut in that one. But I also said, you're going to get some games that's ugly in there. You're going to get some 60-point 60, some 60 games for both teams. Game one did go in favor of Connecticut, 68-63. to 63. So while I do think both Seattle and uh, – let me yeah, let me say that. Both Seattle and Vegas will cross the 75-point threshold in the next contest. I'm not sure how many times this Chicago-Connecticut series goes over 70 for either team. One last bit of WNBA news before we move on to the NFL. Jackie Young was named as the most improved player in the WNBA earlier today. She joins Becky Hammond as a postseason award winner after also being named WNBA Coach of the Year. This is one of those moments where you go on air and you have to you have to apologize because for everybody to Kelsey has said it right for everybody to kind of have believed that the league kind of not that they had it out for Las Vegas but um they had eyes on Vegas obviously right it was hard to deny that they had eyes on Vegas and I think what's 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 kind of hard to deny is it came from both sides. People in Las Vegas felt like oh the league is shining this light cuz they want to they want they, they want to knock this person off their perch or knock this team off their perch but then every other franchise and program is looking at vegas in the league saying oh they're setting them up to win a championship right and this is one of those moments where i'm open to being wrong and it appears i'm gonna be wrong i said there no there's no way that this team that i believe was gonna finish first if not first second in the league there's no way that they're gonna sweep all postseason awards. I said, because it just doesn't make sense. I said, I think Asia gets defensive player of the year without question. I said, as the season started to progress, you watched maybe two or three weeks in and you said, Jackie's going to win most improved. First thing I said was, I'm not sure that they're going to look at that entire roster and say, Becky, here's a coach of the year. I wasn't sure that they were going to look at Asia and look at her teammates and go, here's an MVP. I think three more awards need to be announced in the WNBA, and I think all three of them have aces names on them. MVP. Or two of them, rather. Is there an Offensive Player of the Year or no? No. Okay, I was going to say if there was, it'd probably go to Kelsey, and then you could be talking about a clean sweep. Uh, Shout out to Ryan Howard, who was named Rookie of the Year. We knew that was coming. Well, and James Wade was Executive of the Year. So Vegas. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. I, I don't. You want to know what I said when I first saw that? What did you say? Actually, actually, when I actually when I did not when I first saw it, when I saw that Becky had one coach of the year. What? I said, wow, they really gave James Wade a consolation prize for not winning coach of the year. If you say executive of the year is a consolation prize, I will take it. I I, I didn't want to go straight to complaining, but I feel like I am. I'm about to go straight to it. I don't like how quickly. I could be wrong, but. I don't like how quickly the ESPN telecast went to James Wade as the first black person to win the Executive of the Year award. It's not surprising knowing that it's ESPN. They're pretty quick to those types of points. I was just like, you could damn. Tell. They couldn't. They couldn't have just left it. He's the Executive of the Year. No, no, I'm, I'm cool with saying it, and this is going to be so minute, but but it matters to me. I feel like it's okay to say it. Like, it was a whole graphic. Like, you get my point? Like, 
they could have slid it in as like a, a fact as, as, as they're announcing like, it. I, now, I, I just wanted to do some research. These are all questions that are coming to my head now, but now I want to know how long has he been there. Yeah. Because he just got it this year. Was he the executive last year? Isn't Chicago the one the team that won last year? So, I'm just saying. That's why when I see certain things like that, I was extremely excited for him. And then I saw the the first black person to win the award, male or female, and I was just like, cool. <laughs> like, extremely cool. Like, I just wish that it just wasn't. As I said before, we, we got to get to the point to where, yes, we need to be the first one to get inside of a door, but then it should become the norm. Like, we talk about NFL head coaches, right? Like, once you get a healthy group in there, it starts to become the norm. They start to become it's, – it's revolving doors in these jobs a hundred different places, right? And – I, I don't understand why being the first black anything at this point is it, still even a thing. But needless to say, we live on a campus or we work on a campus that. Never mind. Uh, let's talk about the NFL. Oh, this is the <laughs> this is the worst topic to go to now. Um, you want to talk Raider cuts? Uh, I do have some breaking news from right before the show started. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers have agreed to a contract that will make him the NFL's highest paid backup. That's fair. Doesn't mean they're still not going to trade him yeah, at all. Especially if they're on, if he's on a one-year deal. Oh yeah, trade deadline. Injuries it, happen. Trade deadline could be shopping Jimmy. If teams underperform, trades. I mean injuries, yeah. things of that nature. But tomorrow, tomorrow is the deadline to have all of your rosters down to fifty-three. And my entire purpose of bringing this roster up was to count the names, and I'm not going to count 53 names here. So, most recent cuts as of yesterday, the Raiders have waived tight end Nick Bowers and wide receiver Justin Hall. In addition to that, Brandon Parker, Tay Davis, and Tyler Lancaster have all been placed on a reserve slash injured list ending their season. No, I hit the back. That's four, four games. First four games of the year. I apologize. Uh, and then prior to that, you mentioned Kenyon Drake also being cut in addition to cornerback Chris Jones. Chris Lacey was also waived along with Craven, pardon, LeBlanc. Yeah, man. Demarcus Robinson, too. Yes, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, that was He was among the, the, the first string of cuts that – I mean, I will say, like I said before, I, I, these – you can kind of say that we expect it. You know what I mean? In, in a lot of these situations, Demarcus Robinson was not one that I expected. Nate Brooks wasn't really one that I expected either. And then Kenyon Drake, as you said before, you said that you didn't necessarily expect it, but I did see the host of former New England Patriot running backs that were brought in, and I just said, uh, I don't think he's cutting too many of those. Guys. I don't think he's bringing them all in just to cut them all as well. So I, I thought somebody would have to fall in, in terms of that especially considering Zamir White being on the roster. But NFL is almost here, man. NFL is almost here. So I, I haven't sent out the, the team email. This is probably telling to myself. But I haven't sent out the team email just yet. But are we doing a fantasy league this year? Like a fantasy draft? We've done the pick em before. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm getting to that as well. I said fantasy. I mean, I'm not. I don't. 
Um, uh, you sound like you are timid. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. I'm not opposed to it. Okay. Um, right. I've got. You sure I, you're not scared? I've already got two fantasy teams going at this point. Oh, what's 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 the third one at this point? My but, bad. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's cool. I'm I'm down for it. I think we should. I, I think obviously it gives us a chance to be extremely right, and it gives us a chance to be extremely wrong. So that's going to be the fun part of it, as always. I, I do think we're going to do another pick'em league this year. There's money on the line this time. Oh hell yeah! There's money on the line this time. We're 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 buying in every single mm-hmm. week. We're updating standings. Yeah, man. There's penalties for not getting picks in. I like it. We're doing this the right way. We're doing this the right way. Speaking of it, September 8th, it kicks off for the Raiders. I lied. September 9th. September 8th, it kicks off for the league. September 11th, it kicks off for the Raiders. The Raiders are in L.A. for a matchup at SoFi against the L.A. Chargers. Hey, I'm another home game? I'm sorry. Certain teams. It, let, all right, let, let's do it really quick. Let's talk about the NFL for a second. We talked about the about the NHL and the way that they travel. The NFL. Pittsburgh's everywhere. Yep. The Raiders are everywhere. Yep. Cowboys are everywhere. Mm-hmm. The Niners are everywhere. And Those Patriots. are the four that comes to mind. And Patriots. There was a there was a good number of Patriot fans there. Everybody loves winners, right? <laughs> so there's definitely Patriot fans. Uh, there there's a lot of Saints too. Like people don't talk about it enough, but that New Orleans football culture is extremely extremely rigid. Um, but they're good people. They're good people. I will say that much. But anyway, the season starts on the road against L.A. As much as I do not believe in the LA Chargers this particular season, mainly because of Brandon Staley. I do think they they, they turned some heads in this week one. I think it, I think it's very possible that they beat the Raiders and I think that they could beat them by let's say that, let's say that I'm gonna say eight and a half. And that's just me being where I'm at right now. I don't, I'm not really ready to be too gutsy and say ten. But I do think it's more than a touchdown. Could be. I mean, you look at it, this is going to be the first game for the starting unit for the Raiders on both sides of the football under Josh McDaniels. So could I see some miscommunication, at least in this game? Probably, yeah. I I don't. I wouldn't rule that out. But I think you kind of mentioned it. The saving grace and what may actually keep the Raiders in, in this game and keep them relatively competitive is – you look over and you got Brandon Staley on the other side, and you're like, "Oh, that guy, we all right." Um, high scoring game, I think. I think both okay. offenses are very um, high powered. I think you look at the Raider offense if they do figure it out relatively quickly with you know Carr and now Adams. You have Waller, Jacobs in the backfield, Brenfro. If they can find a way to figure it out and get into a rhythm, I could make the case for the Raiders putting up. 24, 28 points in this game, and the Chargers may may also put up north of three touchdowns just given that they've got Herbert, um, Austin Eckler, um, pretty decent receiving core also led by Keenan Allen and um, I think Mike Williams. Yeah, Mike Williams should still be there. Yeah. Um, um, having deep dove into pretty sure uh, 
their roster, but you can go ahead and keep going. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, pretty Mike sure. Williams. Um, so, I mean, you have a decent offense for both teams. I mean, similarly, you also have a pretty good defense on both sides as well. That's what I was getting ready to get into with everything that San Diego. It's San Diego, I mean. I mean, it feels like it. I've it should been be. to a Charger game. It's so fine. It feels like it. But anyway, the be. L.A. Charger, they, they will tell you. Yeah, I mean that they are the no home team Chargers. But anyway, uh, the the only the only team in the league to have seventeen road games. You have stars on that team saying that. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of road games, I do just want to get to this before we get to the specific game. Get back to this. Uh, get back to this specific game. Uh, five of the first. I'm part pardon rather three of the first five rather for the Raiders three of the first five games do come on the road they travel to LA to Tennessee and to Kansas City and then they have their bye week early we're gonna have a conversation about that as well but I think when you look at everything that LA has done over the offseason in terms of their defense in that front seven I think they're looking at especially with this Raider offense I do think that they're looking at trying to hold them under 21 points and I, I I'm not mad at a 38 to or a 36 to 28 finish because I have the Chargers winning by about eight. So that sounds about right. You know what I mean? And especially based on everything that you just said before, in terms of this being a high scoring game, I could see Brandon Staley going for a two point conversion, maybe two of them. So who knows if they actually have some early season success? Again, I do think when it comes to Black Monday, I think Brandon Staley's name is going to be on that list. But whatever. Is it because of Brandon Staley that you could also make the argument the Raiders win this opener? Like Staley it, because of him? Like, could he essentially coach the Chargers out of the game and basically hand it to the Raiders? Let me ask you a question, and this is probably cheating, but I feel like you've watched more Charger games than me, unfortunately. I, I feel for you. But has he ever played a conservative? Conservative? No. I mean, it's the same guy that— Has he ever been normal? Like, has he ever just not been just throw caution to the wind? No, I mean, it's the same guy that went for it on fourth and whatever it was on his deep on his own side of the field. No, no, seriously, like, I know we have more topics to get to, and we're we're done with this topic now, but, no, I text you immediately when that happened. Because I thought that was a fireball offense on the field. Like, fan... Did he forget that he wasn't playing Madden anymore? <laughs> like, that's some stuff you probably do in Madden. Like, oh, I'll go for it on fourth and. <laughs> All right, I just I can't, bro. I can't, and I and I try not to give too much. I told you I'm tired, yeah. So I try not to give the stuff that I know is gonna evoke just that negative emotion out of me. Just don't pull it out of me. By the way, speaking of coaches, I I am again. Ready to be wrong about this situation. Josh McDaniels looks good, bro. Yeah, it does. Again, could it be a, a scenario where McDaniels outcoaches Staley in the opener? Knowing that going into the game that the, the I would say the pressure is more so on the Chargers given that it's their home opener, they're expected to win. We disagree there. I do think more more is on the Raiders mainly because of what you just said a second ago. That core office of receive or not even receiving core, but just that those offensive uh skilled players, they haven't played this preseason. I mean, hell, you look at some of the defense as well, some of your defensive stars, they haven't played this preseason. And I think 
what you want to do if you're the Raiders, these are the ones that count. And I, and I do think this is probably going to shock some people, maybe confuse some people, but I think the worst possible thing for the Raiders was going undefeated in the preseason. Because now whatever eyes weren't on them are on them now. Real quick before we move on, what do you think the Raiders' record is going into the bye? Going into the bye? Okay, I like snapshot seasons. Give me a second. Going into the bye. Mm. See, three and two. I was thinking the same thing. Three and two. Where are your two losses? I was going to originally say two and three. Then I looked I, again. I, I'm hovering around two and three. I could see it, but I'm going three and two. I think the two losses are... I'll go at the Chargers and at the Chiefs. Those are the two that I had. Yeah. Where was that third loss, if possible? Third loss, if I had to give them one, maybe at Tennessee. That was the third one, if I had to go there. So we actually very, very rarely do this, but we agree on <laughs> all three teams. Jeez. So this is interesting. I do think the Raiders go three and two through their first two games. Unfortunately, I think they've dropped two of their three uh, divisional games to start the year but the thing is when they come in from that bye week we've had this conversation before you got houston new orleans jacksonville indianapolis denver seattle did they go three and two and in, into the bye they could very well get to that double digit mark for wins they could be comfortably in that mm-hmm. double digit mark so i do think the raiders are going to win some games that they should not win this season i told you guys that before yeah <laughs> i think the raiders are going to win some games that they should not win this season um, let's go ahead and, and move on really quick. Let's talk about some other football. Let's talk about some UNLV football. Matt, were you 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 didn't go, right? I was at this game. You were at the game as a fan, though. Oh, yes. Okay, because I I wouldn't know. I, I didn't think you were there. So uh, I'm at this game. We expected to see a at least I, I told you guys this coming in. I said I expected this offense to have offensive explosion in moments, right? I knew that it was possible for that moment to be one of those moments to be this first game. I'm going to let you guys know right now, I did not anticipate 52 points in a season opener. So do you guys want me to pat myself and Matt on the back now or later? Matt, what do you want to do? I like now. I like now too. Do you really? And this, this is this sucks because we're looking at it after the game. The season opener has already taken place, but just like Marcus Aurelio said after the game, now you're seeing guys fly at you. It's a little bit different. Do you believe that Marcus Arroyo felt like he had a difficult choice on his hands when naming a starting quarterback? Whether it was Doug Brumfield or Harrison ba- or Harrison Bailey, I mean, personally, no. I think it was all smoke and mirrors. I think it was something to, because Marcus is a smart enough guy. I think he knew what he was doing when he said, you know, oh, it's a neck and neck racing camp. I don't want to name a guy, clickbait type of stuff. I think he knew what he was doing. He wanted the 
speculation. He wanted the people to talk about it throughout the week and leading up to the game. Um, but judging off what I saw on Saturday, I think he knew he was going with Doug all along. And I don't think it was nearly as close as what he may have m- tried to make it out to believe because, I mean, let's just call it what it was. Harrison Bailey stunk. I mean, that dude was horrible. Um, wow. I mean, you put that compared to Doug Brumfield. No, no, you put anybody compared to Doug Brumfield, who was also named Mountain West Player of the Week. I mean, Cameron Freely even got in and looked good. That's where I was actually going. <clears throat> I feel like so much has been said about uh, Marcus Arroyo. We watched this Mountain West breakdown recently. And uh, how did you feel about their UNLV analysis? I don't know if I got to the UNLV one. So I was listening to their UNLV one, and the first thing they brought up, like most people bring up when they bring up UNLV football when it's led by Marcus Arroyo, they – I wonder if he knows this. He has to know this. People are like, Marcus Arroyo – it's one of two things that they refer to. They either say the quarterback at San Jose State or the guy that couldn't make it work with Justin Herbert. And that's the go-to. And that's exactly what these two gentlemen went to. And I think that's a little unfair only because in college you're – which I do think kind of is a mark of excellence to a certain degree. I do think that you run systems. And I do think that you do have certain coaches that – understand what they have and they tweak their system a little bit but in the college ranks we can kind of speak for just for just from being around it uh coaches are going to implement their their techniques their their system their style i don't necessarily want to something about that system i will say made justin herbert go there and i'm not even thinking about the recruiting process let's say marcus royal wasn't there it made him stay so Regardless of the fact, I, I think it's a little unfair to, to give him all of that. But after what we saw on Saturday, I spoke with somebody, and I do think now those questions come back into play because why the hell was Cameron for a third? Should be second in my opinion. I don't even think it's even that close between Frill and Harrison Bailey. We're going to have to revisit this. Well, first of all, they're, they're not going to allow us to not revisit this because, God forbid, we know how football is, right? Uh, AJ Ajaki has already kind of talked about it before. It's a marathon, and you're going to get injuries, unfortunately. You just don't know where they're going to come. So I hope that we don't have to deal with this again, but last season Doug looked amazing before dealing with some health issues right now he looks amazing and it's looking like the people behind him at least one person directly behind him doesn't appear like he's ready if if he has to be the guy to go in there and strap up now for whatever it's worth too i did talk about uh this um with somebody after the press conference i mentioned yeah harrison came in and he was obviously hit the turf a lot well the grass a lot but UNLV was implementing second and third stringers at that point. UNLV was trying to figure out what's working, whatever the case may be. Idaho State is still trying to prove a point. They have seven points on the board. So 
I do think it's a little unfair in that aspect. However, to your point, Cameron Field came in two of two through a touchdown. Do you think if UNLV, at least on offense, and maybe a little bit on defense as well, but if they can look as efficient as they did on Saturday on the offensive side of the ball, does this team have a good case to make for six and six in a bowl game? I don't want to jump out the window. I'm I'm comfortable. I'm I'm more comfortable saying five. Five and seven, okay. I'm more comfortable saying five. Remember how before the season I said that out of all the Mountain West teams, I believed that or out of all the Mountain West teams that were uh had win totals projected at four point five, I said which would be UNLV, Hawaii, and UNR, I said UNLV had the best chance to you and I both said it, to get to five wins. We were trying to figure out where they would get to five wins. Especially after what we saw yesterday, I absolutely think that they can get that. That North Texas game that you said before that you thought was a win, I thought was a loss. Hell, who knows now? I think Hawaii is more of a sure thing now. After what I we, did look at the back end of the schedule, and those were became sure things for me. Like we saw, like Nevada struggled with New Mexico State, which should really just tell you just how good Nevada is actually going to be. Um, they're going to be probably towards the bottom of the league, in my opinion, and. Then you looked at the other late night game, you know, that later that night, Hawaii and Vandy. I mean, Vanderbilt historically, and I think even probably this year, although they may be a little bit better, but historically they're one of the worst teams in the SEC. And they went to Hawaii on the road and hung 63 on them. So I'm happy that you brought up those other two games because those are two games that I didn't get to actually watch. But these two games that I'm going to mention – the only other two games that took place in the Mountain West outside of UNLV and the two games that you just mentioned. <sighs> let's start. Let's start with Illinois. So, Illinois against Wyoming. I watched that game, and I'm a little. And this is gonna sound kind of nuts in a football game, but I look at that 38, and I said, "Wow, I feel like Illinois could have done so much more damage than what they did." Illinois or Wyoming's defense, rather, just. And this is just me watching a game with no sound on while I'm at UNLV's game. I'm watching the game, and it struck me as a team. They they looked winded. And, Matt, we're in week zero. So when you're in week zero, it doesn't become fatigue. It doesn't become winded. It doesn't become tired. It becomes conditioning. If Wyoming has a problem with conditioning – Let's move on. Did you know they have Wyoming on the schedule, by the way? I don't know if they, they got them this year or not in, in conference. No, sir. No, okay. <laughs> UNLV got the luck of the draw, trust me. Probably, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then that other game, UConn and Utah State, I do want you guys to understand that this game is not what it seems. UConn lost their starting quarterback. Before they lost their starting quarterback, they were giving Utah State fits. They were up 14 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Running the ball at will. Confidence in the pocket. I'm telling you guys, I thought Utah State was gonna was headed for a loss in week one. I mean, week zero. So, to kind of piggyback us off, off, of, off of Matt's point, I think a lot of these conference games became – bigger bets for UNLV now. So I, I, I think this, as you said before, I think without question, I don't know what these betting numbers look like and how you can how you can parlay them together, but 
I'm looking at UNLV's last two wins. Or last two games, rather. I don't know, man. You might want to get in on that early. Did, um... I'm trying to think how I want to ask this. Oh, yeah. Did you... Don't ask me that. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Did you uh, see on social media all the hype people were making about the turnover slot machine? I did. I'm sure that it, it was so much banter and, and opinions and commentary going on. I'm sure you probably saw something different from me. But which one are you talking about? Just in general, the amount of steam that it picked up. Because there were people that didn't like it. They were, there were we're people, in college. There were people that thought, oh, great image that UNLV is trying to push. We're in college. So right. <laughs> I don't even know the average age of this team. But I know their front group. See if I can actually find the tweet. Yeah, <laughs> their front there group, their l- starting linebacker core. Oh, this is an actual computer talking. I need you to hush, please. Um, now, even the computer was mad when he saw the tweets. No, absolutely. <laughs> they was like, "Wait a minute, G Willikers." So, <laughs> I don't know the average age, but I do know that every starter on a defensive end or a defensive line, rather, and a linebacking core are all seniors. So. I tell people all the time. I look at what people get upset at in Vegas. And as a person who has gone to school here and graduated here, there are so many other things to be angry about in Vegas. That turnover slot machine is not it. I'm telling you right now. So it says um, it was somebody that had retweeted. um, I think it was Cedar Sportsbook had put out. UNLV fires up the turnover slot machine. I'm so sorry. Just cause we're not going back to this. That UConn running back that I was talking about mm-hmm. ran for 190 yards yesterday or Saturday against Utah State. Giving them fits. On 20 carries. I just wanted to say that's like an average of 10 yards per carry. Keep going. I'm sorry. Uh, so Caesar Sportsbook had taken the photo uh, or took in the video rather and said, uh, captioning UNLV fires up the turnover slot machine. That's it. Little slot machine emoji, fire emoji, fine. Somebody then retweets that and says, Hmm. Having underage UNLV students celebrate by playing a slot machine on national TV has to be the image that Las Vegas tourism loves. You're assuming that that person was underage. One wonders if the the faculty and administration of UNLV want their image as an institution, an institute of higher learning shaped by underage gambling too. I'll have you know that it was because it was. Austin Ajiki? Ajike. Ajike that had grabbed the first turnover. Is it AJ Ajike? Ajike. Yeah, because I call him AJ because his name is Austin. But yeah, we'll a lot go, of people call him We'll go with AJ. It was AJ that had grabbed the first turn- turnover. I think it was a pick. Mm-hmm. And On that screen pass. That was the video that they had used. He, had, he was the first one to go use it. And he's a senior. And I saw the retweet and I thought, huh. This sounds like a get off my lawn type of person. But not only that, too, we did a we did our draft special, our, our NFL draft special, at least round one, from Sapphire Gentlemen's Club here in Las Vegas. Shout out to Sapphire too, by the way. Um we, we did our show from there, and that was one of the conversations that I had. Shout out to George. One of the conversations that I had with George. We talked about just it, Vegas wants won it, because now they have it. Vegas wanted sports in the city. Now they have sports in the city. 
we understand what Vegas is, what the the narrative is, what the what the facts are about it. We understand how damaging Vegas can be. I think what's interesting is we the best teams in this city will succeed when they learn how to play off of that. I won't say because for whatever it's worth, there are certain things that teams play with that you become kind of the target if you point it out. But I think the Aces do an amazing job with it. The intro is, is enough. The intro is enough. Because only in Vegas would you kind of get the, the idea behind it. There's even games that they play during the, during the actual game with the audience. I don't know if you should do it in Vegas. Like in sports, I probably wouldn't be so weirded out. But you see it in Vegas and it's like, ah, I see what you did there. I know what you're doing. But the Aces play with it the best. They they understand that they are in Vegas. So we're going to, yeah, we understand where you guys' mind went. But we're talking about a game now. Ha ha. Th they understand that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that their fan support has gone up the way that it has in recent. And over the last three years, NBA or WNBA, Ace of Social Media have the most have, have the most traction. Yeah. And also, Shout out to Chris for that, by the way. And also, I mean, I could be wrong. AJ's 21, right? Or 22? He's a senior, so I know he's, he's – I believe he's of age. Unless he's a genius and he got her at 16. So now you're talking about somebody that's over that's over 21. So what are we discussing? Yeah, again, get off my lawn type of person. You want to know what's worse? Because it's not like he pulled out a wad of money and started feeding the slot machine. Like, okay, you have an argument if that's the case. I was just about to say that. It's a slot machine that you know would what's going to happen. First you? of all, it has one outcome. <laughs> first of all, it has one outcome. Right. And I promise you there are people that are sitting in that stadium that are actually better from their seats. I would almost guarantee it. On the kids yes. in front of them. Yes. Fam, get off my lawn. I like, would, I'm going to be that get off my lawn guy. I, I would almost, to that, I would almost guarantee there's at least one person in the arena. Let's up that number. It's at least, UNLV football, I'm willing to say it's at least a thousand people in that Ooh, building. Doing I was going to say, I, I was going to go to a hundred. You might be right at a thousand, though. In all of Allegiant Stadium, I'm going to give you a thousand people at some point bet on the over under bet on the first quarter bet on something sure that's just my guess part, it, part of it might be their excuse to stay longer for the game i don't know gambling is always an excuse for something you can always make anything you want an excuse yeah i'm glad i ain't got to worry about that no more I'm, I'm appreciative of that fact I'm, i just go to the game and chill like i ain't got to worry about over <laughs> under I, I don't care man I don't care. I asked uh, somebody a long time ago when I was at Cerritos College while we move on uh, about um, how they cannot get kind of like tied into the sport because it's like they they had been here for so long and it wasn't just like a reporting type thing. Like they were kind of embedded with the team and it was a different version. And I was kind of like, yeah. how, how don't you get kind of looped into it and wrapped into it and sucked into it? And he – Looked at me and he said, well, because my win-loss record is zero and zero. I said, well, hell, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> he said, I'm not raising my blood pressure for it. I don't get 
a bonus. I don't get a, a record change. Nothing changes for me. Like he was like, so why would I get riled up? And then I think about the Angels. Um, let's talk about baseball. Unfortunately, hope you weren't betting on the Angels. That'd be, hmm, you know, I could end the show right now. <laughs> like I'm cool with it. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but like, I'm just good. Like I'm just. We don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just I'm at that point of the of this of the year. Wow. I told you guys at Westgate I was off of the Angels bandwagon and I was only supporting the Aviators because that's the team that I'm embedded with. That's the team that sponsors this show. That's a team that I've been able to kind of go through their ebbs and flows with them as a reporter here, right? The Aviators missed a golden opportunity, man. They they missed a golden opportunity this past week. Sacramento, the lowly Sacramento River Cats, took five of six away from the Reno Aces. Mm. And with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to gain traction in the standings. Didn't get any ground. because They Vegas. gained one game. They gained one game because Vegas lost – Four of their six to Sugarland, so they picked up one game. Sa- Sacramento won how many over? Reno? Five of five of the six in Vegas. Fi- oh, took five of six. Okay, Vegas think, took two of the six. I was thinking you had said five of seven. So yeah, five you're right. of six. So you right. I mean, they pick up one game, and how often are you ever going to get Reno to, to to lose five games in a week? Any week? Not very often. And I mean, Vegas. Uh, as a whole, I'm still pushing the panic button with this team because they did. They yes, they got two wins over Sugarland, but I look at what their losses looked like. Let's that, talk about that. That was the, probably the most Ooh. alarming thing for me. You were there on Tuesday. You talk about it. I don't want to. I had the right story. Uh, well, Tuesday, um, for whatever it's worth, it was a very record-setting day for the Aviators. <laughs> Tuesday's game was the game that they had. Allowed the most point or the mo- or most runs, excuse me. Uh, yeah, allowed the most runs all year. It was also the most amount of runs they had lost by all year, all in the same game. And I want you guys to know it felt like it. Twenty three to eight, I believe was the final. It felt. Like and even their win, right? They had a walk off <laughs> win on Saturday. Man, don't make me laugh, dog. Fifteen to fourteen was the final score. So even then. They need, they gave up 14, and their offense had to somehow muster out 15 runs to win the game. They had to score seven in the ninth. Hey, I'm I'm <laughs> crying because I'm I'm literally crying right now because it's not funny. Uh, the the margin of, vic- of of loss. I remember I I didn't I didn't get the opportunity to go to Friday or Saturday's game, and the reason why I am crying right now, I covered them from the house after I. Uh, did a couple of, of different things covering different things this weekend, but I'm crying because I was, I was talking to somebody and we had already dealt with the game on Tuesday and you, we already talk about it. We are, we always talk about it. Rather you get minor league pitching changes. You get people that got to hit certain inning counts, things like that. So the game already seems just about as long as a major league game, even though it has all the elements to speed it up, right? The pitch clock, things of that nature. I spoke with a couple of people who was at that game. Dick Calvert was one of those people at that game, and I spoke to him, and he admitted. He said it was just a long game. Like, it was 
it just shouldn't have been as long as it was. And uh, shout out to Dick Calvert too, because I have a picture in my phone. And if you guys are unfamiliar with who Dick Calvert is, Dick Calvert is actually the voice that you guys heard at the on the end of that uh, intro to our radio show. That it was wow was the voice of the Rebels for fifty two years. That's the first time I've ever said was. Wasn't happy by the way about the PA announcer for the game. But keep going. You know we One of my first complaints, by the way. <laughs> why? Can I ask why? I'll tell you off the air. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> I just so happened to be, and and I, I tell you, you guys know I take advantage of these opportunities. Uh, I don't think they happen by by circumstance uh, or by coincidence, rather, and circumstance rather. But I, I think. All of these things happen for a reason, but I just so happened to be sitting next to DC during the UNLV football game. And uh, he, he shout out to his beautiful wife, Miss Ann Calvert, as well. Uh, Miss AC, she, I was talking to her, and I think she kind of whispered to me. She said, this is the first time in 52 years that they've caught a UNLV game together. Can I, did DC say anything about the PA announcer, by the way? I just want to know if he liked it or didn't like it. I didn't say anything to him, though. I did have an, an opinion, and well, what did did DC have an opinion or no? I, no, well, I, I never asked him. Oh, okay. So I, I did ask him if he missed it. Believe it or not, and he he told me that he felt like he would probably miss it more, but he said that he knows that he made the right decision because he's content with it. So spoken like the the DC that we all know. So. I would love to actually kind of hear what he what he had to say about it, but I do have want to ask your opinion really quick. They changed that PA system or something because it's louder now. And granted, I'm in there during UNLV football, and we don't have the most fans, right? But it sounds louder. A little bit. I you caught me up a little. Matt, bit. Matt, you're the worst. You caught me up a little bit when you said it's UNLV football, so we don't have the most fans. What do you want me to say? <laughs> It's tr- it, it, it was extremely loud when Iowa State came to visit. Because Iowa State. It was State. all cyclones. <laughs> like, we saw yellow towels waving. We didn't know what the hell was going on. We thought it was like an apocalypse. We didn't know what was happening. Um, Back to th- this shit, like an apocalypse, too. Um, Going back to the aviator season, I had an opportunity to speak with Fran Reardon. And I said, Fran, I said, you're at this point of the, of the year where, like I told him, I said I've played sports before, right? I'm not playing it at this high level, right? But we played sports before, and you don't, you don't talk about these numbers in the in the clubhouse. You may know, hey, this has occurred. This is same thing with with travel and things of that nature, right? This has occurred, but if you say it, it sounds like an excuse. But I did tell him, I said we we talk about it in the press box, and we wonder how many moves a team can possibly make in one in one calendar year. And I asked him, even with all the moves that happened in minor league baseball, has this year felt a little different? And if you know Fran, he's the ultimate optimist. And he admitted that it was a little different, that there have been a lot more moves. But as he said before, they knew it was coming. So... It's his job to play the players who are on the roster. And, and as he kind of mentioned before, he did mention what we have said in the press box a couple of different times. We look up at the at the uh, Oakland A's lineup card sometime. They're like the Oakland Aviators. I mean, you got seven Aviators in the lineup and on the mound. So uh, I think it's really – and as he said, it's really cool from that perspective to see that and understand that whatever development 
they're doing at the minor league level it is working but they we we understand how this this thing called sports work and they haven't had the opportunity to gel as a cohesive unit to the point to where they've been able to lump together wins we we saw what this cohesive unit was early in the year when they led the division for 47 straight days but now i think when you when you pick off the best parts of mao machines when you pick off the shaylan galeers when you pick off the dermis garcias the luis barreras you run into these situations right so to pull two out of this uh six game series i'm not gonna lie the panic button has already been hit at this point so we can't go back on it but i will say and i've said it before and this will probably be the last time that i say it because of this series coming up they gained a game they could have done a lot more damage we understand that but they gained a game so there's seven games out of first place let's say that they take five of six away from reno first of all you have to bank on another bad week from reno that's first of all second of all you gotta make sure you don't have a bad week that's a good second of all <laughs> third of all last time you saw them they swept you at home so now you're in a situation where let's say that they take five of six away from them they're only back two games so all things considered this is what happens when when, when my, my parents used to tell me in your classes you do the work early you start to coast the back end for all the bad baseball that this team has played since july 1st i looked at the number last night and i believe they are 19 and 30 since july 1st the fact that this team led the division for 47 straight days is the reason why this team still has a fighting chance do they get it no i'll say that remains to be seen you know what i think is worse i think they're gonna get stripped down again I think over the, in this last month, I think Oakland is still going to say, let, let me see what he can do. Let me see what he can do. Let me see. That's a, that's your, is that your trainer? Let me see what he can do. <laughs> Not the trainer. Come on. Man. Just let me see. I just want to I just want to test everybody out. That's the bad boy. How old is he? <laughs> um, I wonder if it's, I mean, it's obviously rewarding to go to the big leagues, but like when you get the call and know that you're going to Oakland. No, it, let's talk about it. Is it kind of one of those like, I leave Vegas for Oakland. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't spoke to anybody this year about something like that. I will say in previous years, I will not say any names, of course. I have heard players get sent back to the minor leagues and be thankful that they're back at the Las Vegas ballpark and no longer at the Coliseum. I mean, have you seen the Coliseum? I would be too. I'm just telling you what's been told to me. Oh, I gotta go back to Vegas. Oh, all right. Bet. Yeah, like a lot of people kind of hear that they get the call up, and of course you you're excited for the call up. That's right. an amazing moment. But you kind of look around the facility and you'd be like, "Damn, I'm gonna miss this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna miss the way this 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 place takes care of us." Then shout out to the ballpark. I mean, yeah. we we talk about the ballpark a lot, but the ballpark does take care of us. So shout out to LVBP. Mm-hmm. Um, 
61 and 62 on a year so far for the Aviators. Again, they are still second in the PCO West. They are seven games behind Reno with a six-game series against Reno in Reno coming up. That series starts tomorrow, 6.35 p.m. I will be glued to my phone, my tablet, my, my, my laptop, my television screen, somewhere to watch this six-game series because, as I said before, I didn't want to say it before. I hit the panic button already. Yeah. I refuse to say it's over. I don't even think they can split this series. They have to win this series. They can't split it. If you gave me a, it gave me a it's over button, I'd be throwing that too <laughs> and hitting that. Because I think it's a wrap for the Vegas. Oh, man. I, I do have something that I want you guys to know. I did complete an interview with uh, a secondary interview with Fran Reardon. Uh, in addition to that, I spoke with Colin Wiles. Uh, as I said before, I do kind of want to do this this man of quality story. I believe, what, what was he at? Five quality starts on the year. 21 of the 24 times he's pitched, he's gone at least five innings. Uh, one of the times that he didn't go five innings, he got ejected. I just had the opportunity to finally catch up with Colin, and I and I spoke to him uh, yesterday, yesterday before the game. And I told my dad, these are the stories that you run into these stories, and uh, <laughs> they tell us all the time we're not supposed to have favorites, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you run into people sometime, and you have conversations with them, and you learn about them and their personality. And when you do these one-on-one -on -one interviews, you kind of get a, a vulnerability level from certain people. And when you see that, anybody in this field to tell you, you start to get people that you root for. And I'm here to say, Colin Walls is one of those people that I'm most definitely going to root for moving forward, just mainly because you, you see how hard he works. And he gave a lot of insight into into the way he thinks about certain things. And I'm prefacing questions by saying, well, yeah, I know a lot of athletes don't look at these numbers. Same thing I was telling Fran. Colin Wiles counts innings. Colin Wiles counts pitches. I have talked to pitchers since, like, I damn near want to say all my life. I've talked to pitchers at the very least since high school. So let's say since 2008. I don't think I've ever met a pitcher that added more things to his plate to think about. I don't want to give away the story, but I'm going to give you guys a little piece of it. Colin said early in the game, because he, he wants to go a certain amount of innings every game. He said it throws him off sometimes because if he's coasting, he's in a third inning thinking about possibly making it into the eighth. And he gets ahead of himself, starts to loop together hits. He's out before five. Or he's out at five. He does have some sort of technique, though. He said he goes into the early at-bats thinking, I have to get every guy out on three to four pitches. When we get toward the back end where I'm seeing these guys a second and possibly a third time, I'll go four or five. And I just thought that was so – I tell you guys all the time, I love watching people that are masters at their craft work their craft. Does it not look like Colin Wiles counts, counts innings now? It's not a bad thing to be aware of, or at least – I don't know. I mean, maybe it was because, like – I remember it wasn't baseball, but I was playing, you know, rec basketball growing up. I raised my hand and be like, yeah, no, I was, I was the one that was counting, okay, I have this many points, I got about this many rebounds. Many, no, I was very aware of what I was doing on the stat sheet, so it's not I, unnormal. It, I don't think it's unnormal by, by 
too many means. I'm not gonna say about every meme, but by too many mean uh, means, I do think though, it's pretty uncommon for pictures. That's all I was thinking. And you know what? Maybe as I get to this to this higher level of baseball, maybe I will run into more pitchers that, that have said it. But a lot of these younger pitchers that I've run into, I have too much to think about already going into each at bat. The, 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 the scouting report changes every, every – for Collins' point, every three to four pitches, the scouting report changes. So what I do think is – what I told Collins, and I very rarely do this. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, I, I told Colin, I said, these are why I, this is why I like these one-on-one interviews. I'm going to learn more about your craft. You're going to learn more about mine. I said, this is one of the beauties of doing what we do when a story comes together. I said, it's amazing that you count pitches because I asked Fran, what does it look like from his vantage point when Colin gets into a groove? He said he attacks hitters like he knows he's going to get them out. Like the Colin said, ta-da. Like the story is the story is weaving itself together. So uh, I just I'm gonna give you guys one more. I asked him simple things like how do you get over a bad start? And he said he relies on his faith and he goes home and he hops in his Bible. And I, I just think that that's so interesting because everybody has different ways to take the weight off. He's, he spoke about getting the opportunity to, to come to Vegas and living in Scottsdale, Arizona. And being able to, whenever he goes on the road, his wife and his dogs are able to go back home to Arizona. Whenever he's here in Vegas, this is like a second home for him now. I don't know that we don't know everybody's travel situation, right? But that sounds like one of the more perfect travel situations. He's not far from home to where his wife and his kids at this point, these puppies, can travel back to their comfort of Arizona. But whenever he comes back to Vegas to go back to professional ball at his home venue he has his wife in the building i think it's amazing mm -hmm. i don't know man i think it's dope i will say the aviators had to see hunter brown who was the league's leader in era and strikeouts twice during the series needless to say he went two and zero in both yeah. games so you guys let me know uh You do it. You apologize. What did I say? What did I do? I mean, there's a lot. You said, yeah, that is a fact. <laughs> you said you said that I couldn't pay you to watch an Oakland game. By the way, my parents thought that was hilarious. By the way, still couldn't. By the way, <laughs> but I that is insane to me. Well, and, and I'm gonna tell you the argument that I told them because they called me and I forgot what the question was. But I told them I said no, 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 because if I told Matt I'll pay you to watch. A terrible football game, whatever the case may be. Matt's probably watching it anyway. Do I just have to watch it? My hunt to report on it? Nah, you just got to watch it. Man. But if I pay you to watch Oakland games, Oakland baseball games, why do you have to know their amount? <laughs> that's all I wanted to know. So that's why I told my parents, I said if he would do it for, for football – for whatever the amount, for I don't even really have to pay him probably for 90% of these football games – why would I have to pay him for an Oakland series? I get it, but I would—I just wanted to know. But one of us have to apologize about this uh, New York series. So I didn't even see what the series result was. Is Oakland. And the funny thing is, if you're looking on Facebook Live, you probably looked like, "Wow, did Oakland sweep him?" Because I gave him the look that, that I gave him. Well, I don't know they definitely didn't sweep. I think the, <laughs> I know the Yankees grabbed at least two from them. 
and that's exactly where we are. That's why I had to give you the look that I gave you because we didn't expect this team to get one game out of this four-game series. They took the back two of them. I said they would get Saturday or Sunday. They got Saturday and Sunday. So they took two of four from the Yankees, from the Coliseum, this 10-game homestand. You can't do this when you're on this side of it, when you're trying to pick up a little bit of steam to end the year, but they did end this homestand five and five. So you open up with, with taking two of three against Seattle, and then obviously you stumble the rest of the way. What did you say they went on that 10-game homestand? Five and five, 500 ball. Ta-da. I told you on Monday, five and five is where I was at. Hey, man. I didn't think they were going to get to it. Because you, you, you counted them sweeping uh, Miami. They lost two to Miami. Yeah, well, I think I had them taking two of three from Miami. I don't know. I don't know if you had them getting one from New because York. they had taken two from Seattle. Seattle, that's how I got the five. I went. They got the two from Seattle. They'll take two from Miami and they'll get one from New York. No, I didn't think that they were necessarily going to get to five and five the <laughs> way they got to five and five. Word. But hey, at least I know I was at least half right as far as I got the record right. No, we are. Product driven people. You said five and five. Then yeah. you got it right. It doesn't matter how you got there. Because <laughs> right. if I tell you guys UNLV is winning five games, don't ask me how they're doing it. <laughs> if they beat Notre Dame and San Diego State, I don't oh care. My God. I don't care. They got the five. I don't care. If they get, if they beat Notre Dame, Arroyo's getting that statue. <laughs> I'll build it. <laughs> I'll be the one to build it. Now, let me not say that because Marcus Arroyo seems like the type that would be like, "Did be, you say no? I didn't." It'd be actually. like, "Yeah, I know a contracting company." Here you go. <laughs> Word <laughs> to people who build a legion. You got it. Right. Uh, but no. In all seriousness, this is another thing that I didn't mention earlier too. You mentioned their big losses in terms of the Aviators. Yeah. Minus seventy-eight. In the run differential. The Aviators are? That's the worst run differential in their division. Worse than a last place team. And we're talking about a second place team that has a chance to still make the postseason. We, that was pretty evident this weekend. Like When they lose, they make sure they lose. Hell, when they win, they give up 14. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I, I mean, I personally think it's over for that team this year. It's done. I just refuse to say it because you have too many chances. Like, if they didn't play Reno this many 12 times in the year, anything can happen when you're playing that team ahead of you. That's the only reason why I say that. You know where I lie. I, did, I threw that that uh, panic button on the field a month ago. I think I, I smoked trouble, trouble brewing then. This terrible August didn't change that for me. In fact, it probably made it worse. So I'm I'm borderline with you on that. This team, which is why I've pointed to the run differential all year long, this has been the product or the result of a team that, based on that, you could argue that when they win, sometimes they're lucky. When they lose, it's because they're beat by the better team. At least it shook out to a little close to 500 ball for right now. We'll see what happens. As far as the, as the athletics, they are 48 and 81 on the year. Sheesh, that sounds horrific. They are 34 games back of first place. You want to know their run differential? They're minus 150. Double what the aviators are. Still not the worst in the league. Pittsburgh is minus 90, 196 in the Nationals with the worst record in all of baseball. Minus 216. Oof. Not good. 
And you wanted Juan Soto to sign for 12 years. There's a reason he's in San Diego now. I would be in Cancun if you said that I had to sign that or like quit baseball. Fam, I'm not doing that. No, I'm just playing. Seattle locked up Julio. They did for an extension that I believe on paper as of right now, I think it's what, $210 million, but it could exceed 470 Yeah. They got that boy for a bag. Matt, we're in the wrong profession. Yeah, I, I should have been much better at baseball. Shout out to Dick Calvert. I had a conversation with Dick Calvert, and um, we were talking about Dalton Kelly, his his squaring up to, to bunt. And I told DC, I said, everybody played basketball, football, baseball growing up, right? To what degree and to what uh, level you were you excelled at it, it, it varied. However, I think all of us played it, right? I told DC, I said, that's the one thing I never really could get under my belt. I said, if, especially if a pitch is coming fast, maybe it's because my body type. I just don't like if a pitch is too inside, I'm already square with the batter's box. If a pitch comes too far inside, I have to rely on extreme Spider-Man-like instincts to get out of the way. And then I looked at DC and I said, well, you don't really see too many first basemen my size bunny anyway. So I never really had to worry about it. <laughs> Never really had to worry about too much of that. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I, I've literally all my life when it came to baseball, I fit the build of Prince Fielder my entire life. So, how many times have you seen Prince Fielder bunt? <laughs> Shout out to Prince. That's another guy that when he retired, that that may be one of the few people in baseball, maybe Manny uh, Ramirez. I mean, excuse me, uh, David Ortiz. That when he retired, I was, I was, I was, I was almost ready to shed a tear. I was almost ready to shed a tear for Prince. Prince was definitely a big part of. Uh, my love for baseball but let's move on move on to my dad's tip in really quick and we'll get out of here i don't think i have anything else for you guys i do want to update you guys really quick actually just let you guys know in september once again fully spotify apple google podcast you guys can catch our podcast or our radio show rather through anchor we are still going to find ways to bring the show to you guys live it may even be on a different platform very, very soon. We may have some news to to break about that very, very soon. But as always, we're working behind the scenes to try to make it work. My dad's tip in. He said he was about to search for a tip in and then it hit him. He said me and I or excuse me, me, he said me and myself rather. So my dad and I always speak or excuse me, we always have the debate of what we would rather watch and we never agree. I can watch basketball all day. My dad can't. But give my dad the NFL all-access, any type of NFL all-access, and he's a happy camper, similar to what I just said about Matt with watching any uh, watching any uh, football game. This is one of sports fans' favorite weeks. The last preseason game is over. The real fun is about to begin. Either it's going to be a march to at least a deep playoff run and a possible championship, but at least a couple of playoff wins would suffice. Or a long 17 weeks of nail-biting, chain-smoking, and frequent talking to yourself about what could have been. It's probably going to be a lot of that, Dad. Um, either, way, either way, I told my wife, I am available to you anytime, except for Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. Are you ready for some football? I am ready for football. I will say, uh, just in terms of the season starting, I know when the season started, Oh, uh, when the season is scheduled to start. But I'm sitting here, and I was thinking last night, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, well, you know what? I said these rosters got to be down to 53. I don't know when, if I've told you guys this before, but I just don't take football 
that series until those rosters get cut to 53. Like, there's a lot of people that I get excited about during preseason, and then you see them on the Jacksonville practice squad, and it's like, no, that kid can play. So, you know what I mean? You have those moments. And then I looked it up yesterday and said, when does – I know it's coming up. When does it happen? Guys, that deadline is tomorrow. It's time for football. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking.